With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye talk from Cleveland.com special teams football today and this is one that i've had holstered and i've wanted to get to you guys and i think it's worth our it's the offseason my gosh of course it's worth our time so what we're gonna do this is gonna be a little disjointed i usually like our flow i'm a big flow guy buckeye talk but this is an interview with parker fleming ohio state special teams coach but it's not really an interview with him it's my thoughts about Ohio State's decision to have a full-time special teams coach. What Parker Fleming does, is it the best use of a position for a 10-man assistant coaching staff? And, like, are they getting bang out of the buck for this? So I did some research on special teams coaching in college football. And when Parker Fleming, this is like multiple weeks ago now, when we talked to all the Ohio State assistants in a great interview session on February 1st, on signing day. So that's, we're coming up on three weeks removed from that. And I sat, I, I just checked it, uh, Parker Fleming talked for about 25 minutes that day. And about 20 minutes of it was basically a one-on-one -on -one interview with me. Because I said, I'm going to go talk to Parker Fleming. So I'm going to intersperse Parker Fleming quotes from that interview. If you've read Parker Fleming quotes other places about Ohio State special teams play, um, they're mostly from questions I asked because like, I, I thought it needed to be done. So I was happy to do that. Everybody else on the various out from various outlets covering Ohio state. We're around doing great interviews with other people. I said, I'm taking this guy. So we talked about the failed fake punt. What should have been a fake punt against Michigan. We talked about Georgia taking the timeout. We talked about Noah Ruggles and the field goal at the end of the Georgia game. We talked about what Parker Fleming does and why Ohio state has a full-time special teams coach. So I'm going to give my opinion about that through the course of this. I do want you to hear from Parker Fleming, who is by far the most anonymous Ohio state assistant coach. And in just doing some research, Ohio state listed on Parker Fleming's and his bio on Ohio state is just special teams. It doesn't list him as coaching any other position. Now, he's also like the assistant secondary coach, which he described to me and which we knew. But he basically is sometimes in meetings and helping with the secondary where Perry Eliano is the safeties coach and Tim Walton is the cornerbacks coach. In the Big Ten, in looking around how the Big Ten does it, 
there are three schools of the 14 that have people listed on their coaching staff websites that their only title is special teams coordinator. Ohio State is one of them. Iowa is one of them where LeVar Woods is really good. And I know, again, I my I have family. My in-laws are big uh, Ohio, excuse me, Iowa football fans. And LeVar Woods, people think like LeVar Woods might maybe should someday should be the head coach of Iowa football. People love LeVar Woods. So that reminds me a little bit of John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens head coach, was the special teams coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time before he became the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. I think he maybe did some defense stuff later. But there are people who, when you are a special teams expert, you really can move into that role. So I think LeVar Woods fits that bill. And then Matt Rule at Nebraska, with his new coaching staff, has a full-time special teams guy. So that's three out of 14. But Parker Fleming's background is not to that extent. Parker Fleming is not such a special teams expert, in my opinion. Doesn't mean he's bad at his job, but it's not like... This guy's been around the block doing special teams for two decades, which some some schools, that is who your special teams coordinator is. That that you can find guys who's like, oh, this guy's been coaching special teams for 17 years. That's just not what Parker Fleming is. And this is not about, I'm not trying to call him out. I'm trying to call out, I'm not trying to call it anything. I'm trying to have a discussion about the decision to have this position taken up by a person like this. Congratulations to Parker Fleming on having this job. So there are three schools in the Big Ten that have full-time special teams coaches. There are two that have none, that do not have anybody listed for special teams duties on their websites. And that's Purdue, where Ryan Walters is the new head coach at Purdue, and that's his decision. And that's Rutgers, where I, I'm pretty sure like Greg Schiano sees himself as that. Much like Urban Meyer was intimately involved in special teams at Ohio State, I think Greg Schiano does a lot of that at Rutgers, and Rutgers is really good on special teams. I was double-checking some stats. Rutgers last year in punt returns gave up negative punt return yardage. They only had eight punts returned against them. They also had an awesome punter, but they had eight punts returned for minus 11 yards. It's unbelievable. Negative punt return yardage on the season. Great punter, emphasis on special teams. So then the other nine schools have coaches who are listed with a special teams title, but also have other duties. So... Those duties are at Michigan, Jay Harbaugh is the special teams coordinator and the safeties coach. I do think Jay Harbaugh does a lot of special teams, though. I'm not going to pretend I'm the world's foremost expert on special teams coaches on this. I'm just looking stuff up on the websites. Okay. Indiana has a special teams coach who also is listed as coaching outside linebackers. Penn State, special teams, also outside linebackers and nickelbacks. Maryland, special teams and outside linebackers. Wisconsin, special teams and outside linebackers. Northwestern, special teams and tight ends. Illinois, special teams and tight ends. And Minnesota, special teams and rush ends. So you'll notice these position coaches, like they have tiny little position groups. Outside linebackers, that's very specific. Rush ends, that's very specific. Nickelbacks, that's very specific. These are not now not traditionally guys who have huge special teams duties otherwise, but they clearly have some. And Parker Fleming is a guy, God, I'm, I'm going to come across as like, like I have it out for Parker Fleming. I just think it's an odd way for Ohio State to use this 10th position. Parker Fleming is a former offensive coach who'd never coached defense before, who is the special teams coordinator and has like this tiny, tiny little bit of, of secondary duty where they have two other secondary coaches. So that's the part 
that I just find a little bit odd about this. You know what? Let's go right now to Parker Fleming, me asking him how you split up your time and what you do at Ohio State. What percent of your time in a week, time in a month, time in a year as a coach here is special teams? Is it 100? No, it's not 100. Very high percentage, but no, it's not 100. I work with, I mean, there's recruiting. Obviously, that's a big factor. That's part of the reason I think we're all here today. Yeah. I know it's not signing day for the new world that we live in, but this is signing day. We just got done going through all of our, you know, recruiting boards and evaluating, you know, where we are in different positions there. And then I, I'm with the defense, too. I sit in the defensive staff meetings. I'm not a defensive coach um, for any of the specific units, but I'm... I have an offensive background. I'm in there. There's a, you know, I'm, I'm a helping hands guy in that room as well. Who's, who's room? What rooms do you sit in? Do you change day to day? I'm usually no. I'm with the DBs. I'm, with the I'm, DBs. I'm, I'm DBs, big group, a lot of guys, two yeah. coaches, two great coaches. But uh, that's kind of I'm, I'm an extra pair of hands. And then when we go offense versus defense at different times, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I have an offensive background here and at other places, so I kind of I can help bridge those gaps in terms of you know, communication and things like that. Okay, so that's what Parker Fleming does looking at some other schools bama alabama has a special teams coordinator who also coaches outside linebackers clemson has a coach who who has special teams and cornerbacks as his duties he really seems like their cornerbacks coach who just also does special teams tcu has basically the same setup as ohio state they have a full special time special teams coordinator and the one thing that one of the things that that we've talked about here before is this again we just think it's a little bit odd makeup of the staff is that Ohio State has an offensive head coach, five offensive assistants, four defensive assistants, and a special teams coach. So it feels like they have six full-time offensive coaches, four full-time defensive coaches, and then a special teams coach who helps on defense but has an offensive background. So that feels out of balance to us. And I think when you look at the success of the offense and questions about the defense at Ohio State in recent years, that's why we get zeroed in on something like this. TCU, which just made the national championship game, has the same thing. They have a full-time special teams coordinator. They have five offensive coaches, four defensive coaches, and an offensive-minded head coach. So it's not... And by the way, Ohio State also made the playoff. This is one of those, like, oh. Why why having a full-time special teams coach has driven the Ohio State football program off a cliff? That's not what this podcast is. If it was about Ohio State basketball, maybe it would be. That's not what's happening here. We're just wondering if it's the best use of resources which is the kind of thing you ask about in the offseason. It's not on the top of the list, but I think it's worth this podcast. So Georgia, no special teams coach listed. USC, no special teams coach listed. And Lincoln Riley, I think at USC this year, it almost became a thing of like, why don't they have a special teams coach? And people started questioning that to some degree. But this is a very clear philosophical decision by Lincoln Riley to not have a special teams coach. And here's what he said about it. I don't believe in a single special teams coordinator, not with the current limits on staff. Riley told this to USC reporters uh, last November. I've never believed in one coach that's doing something for two periods of practice. Then what's he doing the rest of the time? Let's have guys that are coaching guys all the time everywhere. And this LA Times story I'm reading about this said that uh, Chip Kelly had the same philosophy a couple of years ago when asked about it. They'd have to take a vacation, get a lawn chair out there for them, have them sit down and not do anything. And again, Chip Kelly is Ryan Day's mentor. So USC had some trouble on special teams. This story came about after Ohio St- uh, USC allowed an onside kick to be recovered late in the game that almost cost them. They had um, a, 
uh, they'd missed a extra point on a bad snap. So they'd had some special teams snafus, and now it's like, oh, why don't you have a special teams coordinator? So this is the philosophical thing. I think I'm probably more with Lincoln Riley. And I think it might be because a lot of my time covering Ohio State, they had these duties divided up that among the position coaches, somebody would have kick coverage, somebody would have kick return, somebody would have punt coverage, and somebody would have punt return. But the other two head coaches that I covered before Ryan Day, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer, both intimately involved in special teams. Ryan Day is not. Ryan Day is an offensive guru. So that is how Ryan Day divided up these duties. I think that's a big part of why Ryan Day wants a full-time special teams coordinator is because that's not where his own expertise is. And if they... If they just had a special teams coordinator who had legitimate defensive coaching experience, I think I'd have left them an issue with this. But it's just this particular setup that I just kind of I kind of can't wrap my head around it. And so I asked Parker Fleming, why is it worth it to have a full time special teams coach? Um, I think that, like you said, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, you know, you, you, you need somebody that that's their ultimate accountability focus is saying hey like all the like even on our staff even here there's certain positions within our special teams that are delegated out like certain positions on the punt team or the punt return team or the kickoff they're delegated out where i'm in charge of it's the same thing with an offense or defensive coordinator yeah they don't coach every single individual position right they have the the big picture they have the 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 whole scheme because somebody needs to if you just give everybody, hey, you're in charge of punt, you're in charge of kickoff, kickoff return, and then they'll all want the same guys a lot of times too. You know, right? Who's who's the best fit for the team in certain positions, in certain spaces? Well, I need him on kickoff, so he won't play on punt at this position. Or I need him on punt, so he won't play on kickoff return. There's just like a lot of those little factors. How much are they, you know, involved in, you know, the whole picture versus just little pieces? Hands team, onside team, all the weird little situations that come up. That's that's where there's a it's a a lot more than just designing the schemes on, on for on Saturday. There's a lot of pieces that go into it, um, and that's where I, you know who's who's doing that. Every staff's a little different, and sometimes you know the head coach might be. That was our under Coach Meyer here. He was a big piece of that, and that was kind of his attachment to all the different pieces there. Yeah. Um, and when when Coach Day's been so involved with the offense, and that's kind of that's why I've been yep. you know doing my job. That's kind of the way it works. Okay, so that's his explanation on that. When we come back. I'm going to give you some stats about Ohio State special teams, and then we're going to talk about, with Parker Fleming, what happened on the Michigan, what should have been a fake punt, miscommunication, they don't run the fake. Then they come back in the Georgia game, they have a fake lined up, and Georgia calls a timeout, and then Ohio State has a special teams play to win the game and move on to the national championship, and they don't make a field goal. All three of those plays and moments discussed with Parker Fleming, we'll do it all next on Buckeye Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Looking at some of the statistical things with Ohio State this season, like they were fine. I just feel like part of it is that special teams is not, especially kick return, is not as big a part of the game as it used to be. I think we all see that. I would say there was a time. I thought the Urban Meyer era. There were definitely times when Ohio State's special teams were used as a weapon. Go back and read what I wrote about Cam Johnston when he was here as a punter, what we talked about. Landis is in love with Cam Johnston. He was a real weapon. And they would coffin corner punt and get after people on kickoff a lot of the times under Urban Meyer. They would coffin corner kick and get after people and really try to pin people inside the 20. Kickoff these days, you can fair catch from anywhere. It's just not as much a part of the game. It's just not as much a part of the game. And then punt, I feel like they're fine right now, but I don't think they're spectacular. Let's just look at numbers from cfbstats.com. Kickoff return nationally this year, Ohio State was 76th in yards per return. Kickoff return allowed, they were 78th. Punt return, they were 59th. They did not run one back for a touchdown this year on punt. 43 teams did. They did not. And then punt return, they were 68th. And they did not allow a punt return for a touchdown this year. And and a lot of teams do allow punt return for a touchdown. So, again, 59, 68, 76, 78 by raw numbers. And so that's fine. But I just I don't think they're spectacular in any part of special teams play right now. And when they have a couple things that show up, like not getting off the fake punt that Jim Harbaugh at the time said Ohio State had him set up and that it didn't execute it, and then not getting it executed against Georgia, and then missing a field goal at the end of the game, those are three big things that show up where it didn't go their way. And so To me, again, part of it is, hey, if you're going to have a full-time special teams coach, those are potentially game-changing plays. And if they had gotten off the fake punt against Michigan and it flips the game, if they had gotten off the fake punt against Georgia and it flips the game, if they make a field goal, a 50-yard field goal at the end of the game to win that game, my gosh, you have 10 special teams coaches then. This is so worth it. But I I feel like the three biggest moments – that we remember from special teams this year for Ohio State, they didn't execute. So that's a little bit more of why I think I think it's interesting to have this conversation. Now, part of it is Ohio State did block two kicks this year. That was fine. Lathan Ransom blocked both of them. So at cfbstats.com, which again is like a great site. Everybody loves that site. They have something that is kicks and punts blocked combined. Central Michigan and Notre Dame led the nation with seven each. Middle Tennessee, South Carolina, six each. Rutgers, Bowling Green, Southern Mississippi, Louisiana, Lafayette, Clemson, five each. So there were 34 teams that blocked three or more. Ohio State was one of a bunch of teams, about 30 teams, 40 teams or so, that blocked two. So that's fine. 
Like, that's that's good. Lathan Ransom blocked them both. One in the Indiana game that wasn't that big a deal. Then one in the Maryland game that Ohio State was losing to Maryland in the third quarter. Lathan Ransom blocks the punt, flips the game. So let's add that to the list of biggest special teams moments of the year. Maybe there's another one that I'm not thinking of. I'm bad memory. But let's let's line up the Lathan Ransom block punt against Maryland and then what didn't happen against Michigan, what didn't happen against Georgia and the field goal at the end of the Georgia game. And you arrive at a thing where I think, okay, well, at the biggest moments with the full-time special teams coordinator, did they execute in a way that got them over the top that said this is a good use of it? I don't I don't know that we see it. So one of the things for Parker Fleming I did ask, and this we'll get into specifics in a second. I just sort of said, like, give us the overview of special teams this season. So I'm going to get to that in a second. But the thing he says at the end is, you never know the things that don't happen. You can't prove a negative. So there is certainly the idea that Ohio State having a good scheme, having things structured correctly, maybe prevents teams from trying fakes on them. Maybe, you know, it, it prevents them from getting kicks blocked because teams say there's not a weakness here. We're not even going to try. I think you have to give a nod to that. And so it wasn't like this was a special teams unit that is getting stuff blocked and is having disastrous moments. What they did do was make special plays, right? The two fakes that didn't work or didn't even get a chance really to be run, and they don't make the field goal at the end of the game. But they're not falling apart on special teams. So it's they don't have bad special teams. I just don't think that we would say Ohio State had special special teams this year. So in conclusion, this is the last question of the interview, but we'll do it now. I just asked Parker Fleming to give a rundown of how he thought the special teams went this season. So you'll hear him reference Jackson Smith and Jigba and how losing him sort of threw off their punt return game, and we all know that. And then he'll, you'll hear him reference Jaden. Jaden, that's Jaden Fielding, the guy who took over kickoffs for them. So let's have Parker Fleming give a wrap-up of Ohio State special teams play this season. Kicking it, punting it, yeah. turning it, covering it, just everything. Everything that you're involved in. How do you think it went this year? Um, you know, you'd say overall, the same way I just described the season. You know, we had some good moments. If you don't finish, it doesn't really, you know, you have time, opportunities to change games and you don't. You need to change those games. That's, that's our job. It's my job. Um, you know, our, if you look at specifically... You know, kickers, punters, um, they played well. You know, Jaden grew up as a freshman, kicked off well. Our kickoff team played well in big games. Um, there's a fine line between um, those young players that you need to be great players for you down the line that might not be ready to go win big-time games for you, and you got to piece and put the right guys in the right spots to, to, to develop them the right way and also go dominate and win games. Uh, and so I think we had some growth there, which is a big part of what the special teams around here have, have become. It's not just, uh, you know, any individual play. There's a big picture here. Um, and so there's some moments where you'd say, hey, I wish you had did that, done that better and, you know, gotten the guy on the ground a little bit earlier, defeated that block a little bit differently or, you know, played this technique just slightly better. But in the learning curve, in the process, you know, we, we knew what we were doing there. And that's something that I, I, I think we can always improve on. But if the guys get better from week to week to week and you go play well in the big games, that's, that's what you need in terms of the kickoff and then the you know, punt team. We had a lot of moving parts in there, which is abnormal for this place. Just different injuries, different moving. And, and that was, and I think the guys did a great job of adapting and, and going playing hard, you know, uh, 
kickoff return, when your defense is playing well, you don't get many chances. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we saw late down the, you know, uh, you know, we tried some different guys back there, same deal. If we can develop and get a guy ready, that, that's kind of the plan. X did a great job down the, down the stretch. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the nature of it. And then punt return, Jack's getting hurt early, changed a little bit of our kind of focus there. Yeah. Because he was, you know, a great returner. And so that you just kind of have to keep adapting. Um, but, you know, jobs get the ball back. Saw that against Iowa. Saw that against a couple of those. How many fakes did we deter? You'll never know. By kind of our scheme and our structure and how we were organized, you'll never know. But that's part of kind of how I look at it all and say, you know, success. At the end of the season, it's a team game. And we didn't help the team win the games we needed to at the end. But Okay. So maybe lacking spectacular plays from Ohio State special teams. Chance for it in the Michigan game. You guys remember, Ohio State's down 24-20. Midway through the third quarter, they have a fourth and 10. It had been a situation, they had a, they had a false start in the fourth and five to make it fourth and 10. It had been a situation, C.J. Stroud wanted to go for it after um, completing a pass for 14 yards on third and 19. They're just over midfield. Turns out they do call the fake punt. It would have been a snap to Mitch Rossi. They sort of had two up backs with Tommy Eichenberg and Mitch Rossi. Eichenberg would have been the lead blocker. There would have been a hole along the left side for Rossi. And he almost certainly would have been able to get the first down and then run for a while. But there's miscommunication. The word does not get to the long snapper for whatever reason. And he snaps it to Jesse Mirko, who then gets off the punt. So how does that happen? To me, part of this, again, is you have a full-time special teams coordinator. This person's in charge of this. In that moment, how do you not get that perfectly communicated to your special teams unit so that you can execute this thing that you have literally been planning? Like, what is more important? If you're the special teams coordinator, what's more important than special teams against Michigan? So I asked what happened on that play. Here's Parker Fleming talking about the fake punt that turned out not to have been run as a fake against Michigan. What is the process of the decision-making like on the sideline of like, okay, I think we're gonna, we're gonna do the fake here. How do you get it communicated? Like, what's it like in that moment of trying to get something like that executed? Um, I think that's kind of the, the secret sauce in a lot of ways of uh, the full game, especially with special teams, is there's people from every you know, corner of the team that are, that are involved. Head coach has to make those calls. Um, they got to get obviously communicated through signals or through verbal, um, and, and you know when you have a situation like that one, uh, you know, or you you know you're, you're you're changing your call, you're getting into that look, and they had the, the perfect look, and you got to make sure it's the look you want, or else you'll you know maybe get out of it based on the, some fakes you'll just say run it, some fakes you'll say hey we're gonna get out of it. Um, that one was you know it's just one of those spots where uh, uh, we, we did, didn't get communicated to the, all the guys that needed it. You know, it's a lot of. A lot of pieces that you got to get done, and that one just that one slipped through the cracks a little bit. And that's that's my job to not let that happen. What are the lessons that can be learned from that? Is it because again, is that you say sometimes it could be a signal, sometimes it could be verbal. Right. I would imagine you know, especially you know, an exciting game in a loud stadium, even when it's your own place. Right. Sure. Be, is there anything about the process that you're thinking? Oh, maybe. There's a, there's some that? things we've learned. There's some things we'll do differently. Uh, you know, as we continue. Obviously, you know, we probably you know. They got a timeout off in the next next game because it was you know we were making sure we were on the same page the, the next the next game. That's what happened to us a little bit. Okay, you know, so against that, Georgia, you know, so and so you're you're adjusting. You tried to do it against Michigan, didn't exactly work. Now here you are against Georgia. You did tweak some things, but that gave the nanosecond. I'm not going to say that did. You know, there's there's a lot of things that the factors that went into it, and there's probably you talk to the guys down at Georgia. They got you know they got their own story too. Um, 
But the truth is that's the fog of war in, in, in a football game. There's so many little things that, that you got to – you got to get all the guys. We had some backups in some spots. We had some different, th- and that's in in-game adjustments, in-game backups, and that's how, how do you get those all prepared? Um, you just keep practicing, you know, and that's the thing. The communication is the key, and then the looks got to be the key from up top, from down low, from seeing it, from the guys on the field. If they're getting you into it or getting you out of it, sometimes you have those where they have the ability to check you into certain looks. Hey, man, they're in a certain look. We're gonna, you know, change the play. Um, sometimes you don't. That's where it's. I'm being vague on purpose because there's really no. I mean. Every, any fake is, is, it's so different. They're all, you know, some are just, we'll call it, call it and haul it, let it run. Some of them are, if you get this exact look, we're going to run it. Some of them are, hey, if you get one of a couple different looks or there's a specific, and that's kind of the way it works. And, and, and what you do is you watch on tape and say, hey, I believe we have a situation here where we can take advantage of. Okay. And, um, and then they might not give it to you and they might. And, and in special teams, especially at this place, you can watch tape for a team for you know an entire season or two seasons. You show up on Saturday and they run different stuff. That's just something. That's a life we live here. Is that we get different, especially in special teams, offense and defense too. They get different things from opponents all the time. And so that's uh, you know how do you how do you get it all put together? You know sometimes it works. You know we've had a couple we need to work on. So now this is the kind of thing that's going to make your head explode, right? The idea that they did not get it communicated against Michigan. And then maybe in making sure they got it communicated against Georgia, that allowed Kirby Smart enough time to call a timeout. It's 38-27, Ohio State's ahead, 8.58 to play in the game. You're in the middle of the third quarter, Ohio State's up two scores. If Ohio State executes that fake punt, they get to run that much more clock. Instead, um, they end up running the fake after the whistle. Doesn't count, obviously. And... Georgia goes on to win that game. The idea, again, you could be very frustrated as an Ohio State fan listening to this. One time, you don't get it communicated, then you make sure you did it communicated, and you don't get it off. So I asked Parker Fleming about that. If Georgia doesn't get the time out there, does that fake work? I think Mitch got the first down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, Was there something about the look? Did you give too much away that they were able to, to sniff it out and call the timeout? Is there something that you learned from that? Of like, you know, okay, it's it's or? a fine line between being putting your guys in the right spot to, to execute, um, you know, and, uh, that fake or that whatever you're calling versus disguising it. And that's kind of there's the two options. You you line up in something different and see if they call timeout or if they adjust, or you just run it out of your base alignment. Um, and if you believe you have a better alignment for players to be successful, that's that's what we did on those two to try and get a, get the right guys in the right spots. Um, you know, maybe we gave maybe we gave a little bit too much away. Obviously, they saw something. I think there was a little confusion on both sidelines. You know, of us taking the field with a couple personnel, and there take there are some substitutions. They're looking at each other, and and uh, they called timeout now in the second half. Timeout in a close game. That's a that's a big play too. And so that was part of the plot, the plan. You know, okay, they got it. They called timeout. Well, now they're down to two, and that that that's, that all factors into when you when you you know design those. Is what's the worst thing that happens? Well, you don't get it. So let's design something that we're going to get it if we call it. Okay, good. And then if they call timeout, okay, next play. We'll punt the ball. That's kind of the – Okay. I understand, like, you know, the world could be a different place if, you know, those had changed games. And and the way I look at it is um, you can be frustrated about it or you can find a way to get better. And next time we get those opportunities, we go execute. That's the way I look at it because, you know, there's too many situations where you could say, what if this, what if that. Can't live like that. You know, I spent a lot of time in the last few months, last few weeks or whatever, kind of going back and saying, you know, from the last two games, what would you do differently? And there are obviously things you'd all, 
you know. But uh, how do you learn from them? How do you get your guys in the right spot to execute? So I think they should have converted those. Like I, I, if you have a full-time special teams coach and you set up for those and the time and energy put into this, I just think like frustration is not even the right word. I just I think like you got to do that. Those are the moments that I don't know that you have a choice if you're trying to be a championship team. I don't think you have a choice on those. I think you have to execute those. And so whoever that comes down on, whether it's the special teams coach or the players in the field and special teams or Ryan Day or ever in that moment, I mean, that's the difference, right? Those are difference-making plays. And so here we are in a situation where Ohio State has a full-time special teams coach, and we have these moments. We have the Michigan moment of the fake that doesn't get communicated and the Georgia moment of the fake. There's a timeout before it. And... Yeah, I mean, the, I, I, people have to move on, but I think it's fair for all of us out here in the world to continue to think about that because that, like, they have, that's the difference. Those are two, you guys know it. You guys know it. And how much do you put into this? Like, what's the point of this? How much do you put into this? I did ask Parker Fleming about that, the idea of, for instance, that Michigan game, the kind of studying you do to get prepped for Michigan on special teams and the rivalry. Here's what he said about that. When you are the special teams coach, do you want to run two fakes a game? Because you're like, oh, I got this great, perfect stuff. We got to. Or do you want to run two fakes a year because you want to wait for the perfect moment? I don't know. Sometimes, like, are you guys all are you riverboat gamblers who want to take risks all the time? I think we all. I think we all want to say that, and then if it doesn't work, you look at yourself like that was not smart. But um, you know, it's funny. The fake that we didn't run against Team Up North ended up in a touchback. That's like the best worst fake ever. And you're like, come on, you know, like. Yeah. So you try and find like safe, different, like what's the worst? You get, There's some crazy stuff you can do, and there's some stuff that you can say, you know what, It's the, there's, there's short games and there's long games, right? What's the long game? Well, if a fake is designed to beat an opponent's exact scheme, that's good. It helps you win that game. If sometimes there's fakes or there's different tweaks or different things that people might not even really recognize uh, to the layman, like then the other special teams coaches across the, that watch our tape or that we're going to play next, they say, oh, look at that, or I see that, and I'm saying, oh, look, you have to defend against different things now, and you have to. It, it helps your scheme protect itself, or it helps your your the next week. You know what else are they going to be practicing? Are they going to spend less time on just our base? Are they going to spend more time making sure they have edge proper edges? You know, after Jesse ran that one against you know Rutgers yeah. next week, there's a guy standing out there, a big dude on the edge standing out there, like, well, you're not going to run this. Okay, so that's one less person involved in the rush scheme. Yep. Or, and those are there's just you know, and you know you you get to know the other coordinators that you go against and you, you kind of learn their personality and you learn what they have in their bag and how they're going to operate and, and, and you game plan specifically against you know what you know from other people too or what you've seen on tape so there's a at what point how much scouting went into the Michigan game seeing how they do it okay I see something here this type of fake for us might work in this situation a lot how do you can you I, Take us through a, a morsel of that process that leads you to, because I'm sure, I mean, how much film do you watch on Michigan special teams to get ready for that game? It must be. I've mind. seen a lot. I've watched a lot. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, you go back to ever since they've, that, that crew's been there, you know, Coach Harbaugh and Jay and the guy, you know, they, we watch all of it. You know, I've, I've got a, I, I got a book right now that's, it's actually sitting on my stairs of my house that I walked past coming downstairs this morning because I didn't take it upstairs where it's the 17 through 21 and now 22, what are all, the, all the pictures, all the things they've done and how they attack us and what they've, you know. Just Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so, we, you know, we, we, 
we keep track of that stuff. And uh, they've attacked us in a you know specific certain way a couple times, and so you just kind of have plans for you know what they do. Now that, that they're not the only people that have attacked us that way, and so it could have been you know you can use it in other situations too. But that's kind of the, that's a it's a you know they're good. So there's lots there's a lot of details going that people probably don't recognize. Yeah. So a couple numbers I looked up on the number of special teams plays that Ohio State runs compared to offensive and defensive plays and looking for is there value in a full-time special teams coordinator. Ohio State ran 876 offensive plays this season, 807 defensive plays this season. And I had done this number a while ago, and I pulled in every single possible thing of special teams, which I guess is kickoffs, punts, field goals, and extra points, right? But like the field goals and the extra points, that really, I think, is on the kicker. I mean, it's not like Parker Fleming is a kicking expert, but kicking matters. But we'll, we'll get into Noah Ruggles and a little bit of that at the end of this podcast in a minute. But I just, you know, when you talk, if you've listened to all the important things that Parker Fleming and I talked about, he's talking about scheming it up, right? He's talking about strategy and scheme within special teams. So when it comes to that, what I then did was look at the number of punts and kickoffs this year. So Ohio State had 105 kickoffs, and opponents had 58 kickoffs. Ohio State had 50 punts, opponents had 77 punts. So in total, that's 163 kickoffs, both sides combined. That's 127 punts, both sides combined. Combined kickoff returns, though, there were only 54 of those 163 kicks returned, and there were only 24 of the 127 punts returned. Special teams is just not nearly, for a team like Ohio State, that, as Parker Fleming said, once Jackson Smith and Jigba got hurt, but they've been, most of the time, pretty happy with fair catching punts, and... They don't, the rules of being able to fair catch a kickoff anywhere on the field has taken away the attack on kickoffs. And you're just standing back there and fair catching almost all the time. And so there's just not as much needed. So you're talking about in the course of an entire season, 78 actual returns. So there's 78 plays where there's actually a play on punt and kickoff. And then you have the extra points and the field goals. And you have a, a coach dedicated to that. So, and then you have whatever like little fakes or attempted fakes within that. That is not a ton. That is not a ton, which again, and when it boils down to, hey, you have fake opportunities, I just, it puts more emphasis on it. You've got to convert that. And they just hired another guy this offseason, Gunnar Daniel, who's like a long snapping expert who's coming in. There's just a lot of ways, like USC that I mentioned before, they have an analyst who's in charge of special teams, but it's not a full-time coach. So you can't, you're not supposed to coach the guys on the field there, but you can lead that group without being a coach on the sideline or hands-on in practice. So I don't, I don't know, man. So that's, that's where I am, like on, on the value of this. And then if you are going to have value, you need to get it done when, when your time comes. So they did block two kicks, two punts this year for the first time since 2019. So that's good. And again, they're not getting kicks blocked all the time. I just would use it on a defensive assistant. If you said right now, who would you rather have as a full-time defensive assistant, Parker Fleming or James Laurinaitis, it's not even a discussion in my mind. I think you could either use this spot to have Laurinaitis be the linebacker's coach and Knowles becomes the overall defensive coordinator. I think you could hire somebody else to assist Larry Johnson on the defensive line. There are a lot of places that have two defensive line coaches. And then you have a guy who sort of works maybe more with the end. Somebody works more inside. 
I just, I think there are more opportunities than what they're using here. So that's my thoughts on that. Let's get final thoughts from Parker Fleming about the kicking situation and the field goal that missed at the end of the Georgia game. We're not belaboring the point. Noah Ruckles wanted to make it. And I did ask Parker Fleming about this. Was there anything with the hold, the laces, whatever? He said, no, no. Hold operation was fine. It just just missed the kick. So to confirm, confirm, confirm. Not that we didn't get it confirmed before. There was that rumor after, like right after the game. Was there anything with the laces being turned the wrong way? That Parker Fleming said that's not an issue. So the kick, the kick was there and it wasn't made. We'll talk about that with Parker Fleming when we wrap up this special teams podcast next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. We only gave you three podcasts last week and it's gnawing at me. I did record some things for a podcast you're going to hear this week. And I set up some things for podcasts you're going to hear this week. And I wrote a hockey story, which I don't normally work on. So that all um, waylaid me in my attempts to do five podcasts last week. But it's bugging me. So I owe you two. So I know we took off that whole week earlier this year, but that was like a vacation week. This is, to me, otherwise we give you at least five Buckeye Talks a week. So now I owe you two. And it's going to bug me and it's going to gnaw at me. And I'm going to make it up. I'm going to get it back to you, which means that some weeks of six are coming because I can't live like this. I have to get us back to even. The other thing is I've been working on this all weekend. I did some of this pod on Friday. I did some of it on Saturday. Now I'm doing it on Sunday after the basketball team lost. And the way Ohio State basketball is playing, or should I say not playing right now, sort of like getting in the minutia about a special teams coach for a team that made the playoff. A football team that made the playoff makes me feel a little silly because there's 4,000 things wrong, going wrong with the basketball team right now. But we're not going to use the basketball team as a standard for anything. And Ohio State had opportunities against Michigan and Georgia that they would have converted them. We might be sitting here this offseason with a team that won the national title or a team that beat Michigan. So that's why this matters. So Ohio State football, I just want to remind people, don't compare basketball and football. Don't compare the absolute abject disaster of this basketball season to losing to Michigan twice in a row or losing to Georgia because basketball is fundamentally broken right now. And the thing that I don't like about it is, and I know a lot of you don't like when I talk basketball, this will be 10 seconds. This is true. No matter what happens after this, all the haters, you don't believe enough stuff. This team is bad right now. And it's, it's on Chris Holtman. So, like, this is all true. There are no excuses for this. It doesn't matter who's injured. They lost their last three games by a total of 65 points. They're not competing. This is terrible. And whatever happens going forward, it's not like you had to be this bad to get where you want to be. So none of this is acceptable. All the blame, every bit of this belongs on Chris Holtman. And so I'm not to, I'm not going to hear any of the doubters and haters and all we only care about the people in this in this locker room whatever well you should care about the people out in the world because they're sick of watching this basketball team perform this poorly so it's not the same thing we are in the minutiae of the football team right in something like this because the football team is performing at a level where the little things trip them up this year right now there's more than little things against michigan there's some big things too Really, I think it's little things against Georgia. Big things against Michigan that got to get fixed. But also, this little thing that we focused on. So that's why we did that. So now let's talk about the field goal at the end of the Georgia game. The idea of trying to make a 50-yard field goal to win a semifinal indoors. Is that too much to ask? Is that unreasonable? 
This is not to assign blame to an amateur college football player, but I wanted to try to get context from Parker Fleming about how they viewed that kick, how we should view that kick, because we have to have this context as we think about this in Ohio State history. And it is not to point fingers, but it is to understand the moment. So this is Parker Fleming talking about the thought process at the end with a 50-yard field goal in the last play of the game, the expectations around a kick like that, how Ohio State and this special teams unit viewed an opportunity like that that didn't get done. There's a few messages. One is, you know, that I loved him and there's no one I'd rather have in that spot. I mean, like, if you, I, immediately after that kick, I saw the ball go up. I didn't even see it finish because I knew pretty quickly that ball wasn't going through. And so, you know, I kind of had, you know, I kind of grabbed a couple guys and hugged a couple guys and I went and found Noah. That was kind of my mindset is how do I, how do I make sure he knows that you know, there's no one else we'd rather have in that spot. Um, and then, you know, Coach Day talked in the locker room. He told everybody in the room, he said, hey, man, this is not on one play or one guy. I know how he felt, and that's tough. Yeah. Uh, but, no, we, we, pr- we planned for it. We prepared for it. That's one of those spots where you, you, know, you kind of have a process for if they ice you, if you have this kick from that hash or this hash. And so there's, you know, hit the right guy in the right spot, and I still believe that. So. You know, when you watch it, operation looked clean. Uh, you know, it, it didn't go through. That was kind of. 50 seems for a college kicker. That's not, yeah, you make that every time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can look at it in a bunch of different ways. There's some old stats I've read that, you know, you, from certain distances you should expect certain percentages. And obviously the further back you go, the less percentage you're going to make it. And, and, and I think that, no, like, there, you, we've always wanted as a specialist unit, put the game on our foot, put the game in our hands. How do we get that done? And, and at the end of the day, you know, we don't want a guy here that says, yeah, give it to me from 35. You say, hey, put the ball down, I'll make the kick. I don't care where you put it. If you have a guy, if that's your mindset, then then it, it's already kind of a, you're not in a good spot. And, you know, Noah's a guy that like, yeah, good, that one, let's, let's go. Where do you want the ball, left hash, middle right hash? Don't care. Let's, that's kind of his mindset. And that's what hurts me a lot about the fact that he didn't succeed in that moment, too, is because he's been so, he was so consistent and so good and so prepared that that, that that's hard. But, uh, no, I mean, I... Whether you chart that in practice or anything, what 50-yarder for Noah Ruggles is what, typically? Five out of ten, three out of ten. I have to go back. I have to go back and look at the notes. You know, it, it, it's we kick two days a week, Wednesdays and Thursdays. You know, and then we watch everything in pregame and kind of decide, you know, where his range is okay. based because we know where his 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 range is in a in here, and that's right. kind of where we were playing in right. a dome, right? So we know where range is, and then we know where his range on that day is based on weather, wind, how he's feeling, a lot of those yeah. things. And and you know, fifty, he made a fifty yarder pregame, you know, and so okay. he made fifty two. And pre- so there's some of those things where. You know, he the ball was he had the distance yeah. even in the game. But I don't I don't know what the metrics would say that his overall percentage should be from that. And I honestly, I don't know if you can if you can get an accurate number in that moment. I don't know. I, I don't think. I mean, we try. Right. We try hard. I don't know if it's possible to truly get that moment and practice it and say what's a percentage chance you see on TV. You know, like a a golfer a putt make chance. Well. What's the situation? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's, robots. Yeah, that's right. It's human, human and, and I guess the more data points you get, the yeah. better your numbers will be. But how many times you get that? He would made a couple against the year before in big spots. Yeah. You know, against Penn State and yep. Nebraska, things like that. And so you just kind of learn from it. And... So in doing this, I hope you found it valuable. I think I have come to the conclusion that I'm going to remember this Ohio State season for the special team could have been. And I don't know that it's mistakes. 
it's could have beens because it's not unreasonable to miss a 50 yarder, but you could have made it. It's not, you know, they didn't mess up the fake against Georgia. Georgia got the timeout call before. Now, the one thing I guess we didn't talk about is that they had 12 guys in the field for that fake, and that was going to be a problem anyway. I thought I did like a B plus job with the interview um, with Parker Fleming and to try to have stuff prepared. I didn't specifically ask about, oh, by the way, you had 12 guys on the field for Ohio State when you're trying to run this fake versus Georgia. How the heck does that happen when you have been planning this all year and you're the full-time special teams coach? So that's my bad that 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 was the case, but I don't know if it would have been called. So that's true. But Georgia called the timeout. And then the Michigan thing is like they didn't fail on the fake. They didn't do the fake because they didn't get it communicated. So could have been, uh, I think, lock that away. Lock that away. Ugh. When you guys are telling these these stories in 10 and 20 and 30 years of this Ohio State 2022 season, I think it's fair to talk about special teams as a group. And the coach of that group is Parker Fleming. So you heard from him. I'm not out to get anybody, but I think we needed to hear from him. It's just not a coach we get to talk to very much. And the other thing that I didn't really ask about, I didn't ask about, that I should have, was recruiting. And when I asked him, you know, how what percent of the time do you spend on special teams? He's involved in recruiting. I just can't imagine a guy who is going to go, like you look at his 247 profile, like the recruits that he's landed. How can a guy who's the assistant secondary coach go out and really land somebody? I just, I'll get better information on that. I obviously, if you had a guy who's truly coaching a position, he could be better, more involved in that. So that's a thing that that our texters always wonder about. What about Parker Fleming and recruiting? I just can't imagine that it's very robust, but I did not ask him about that specifically, and that was a shortcoming by me. So we all make mistakes. So, you know, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No coach is perfect. No player is perfect. But when things don't go as expected and it's your job, I think it's fair to have a conversation about that. So we had a conversation about special teams. The plan for Tuesday, I think, is going to be something weird. I did two good interviews last week, and I think that's going to be the Tuesday podcast. I think we're going to have a Kyle McCord podcast this week. I think I'm going to talk to successful other winter sport Ohio State coaches this week to talk about what the standard is at Ohio State and how they are winning and we will have our defense draft this week. Go back and listen to Friday's podcast, the draft of the Ryan Day era offense with the Meyer and Trestle wrinkle. I think if you haven't listened to that, I do think you'll enjoy it. We're going to do a defense version of that at the end of this week. But for now, as always, appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU and try the text at 614-350-3315. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>